Hi, I'm Pastor DeAndre J. Cross Sr., the pastor teacher of the St. John Baptist Church of Belle Place, Louisiana. Thank you for joining me today on the Renewing Your Mind podcast. Let's go into the sanctuary of the St. John Baptist Church and hear today's message. If you have your Bibles, would you take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Today I want to read verses 10 through 13. Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 10 through 13. For those of you who are in the sanctuary and you're visiting with us for the first time or the second time, we say welcome and welcome back. And we pray that something is said or done today that's going to cause you to want to either yoke up with us, give your life to Christ, or that's going to cause you to want to come back and worship with us again. Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 10. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And in my Bible, the Word of God reads this way, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at last, your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I read verse 13 one more time? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. For the time that is ours to share on today, and thank you so much, ushers, for the time that is ours to share on today, I want to label today's message the secret to contentment. The secret to contentment. The story is told of two old friends who met each other on the street one day. One looked sad and almost on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has happened to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, let me tell you what happened to me. Three weeks ago, my uncle died and left me $40,000. That's a lot of money, said his friend. But you see, he said, the man continued, two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew died and left me $85,000, free and clear. The friend replied, sounds like you have been very blessed. But the sad friend said, but you don't understand. Last week, my great aunt passed away and I inherited almost a quarter of a million dollars from her. The friend was really confused and said, then if you got all that money, why are you so sad? Hmm. 
the sad friend looked at his friend and said, because this week I didn't get anything. We live in a world of discontented people, don't we? Rather than living lives of grateful contentment, our lives are filled with complaining. It seems as though we are never satisfied, never content, and envious of those who have what we have not attained or accumulated. It has been said that contentment can be an elusive pursuit. We go after what we think will make us happy only to discover that it didn't work. In fact, in many cases, we are happier before we started the quest. And our lack of contentment can be manifested in many different ways. Many are not content to live within their means, so we go into debt to live just a little bit better than we can afford. But then we suffer anxiety from the pressure of paying our bills, all because we are discontent. We look for better houses, better jobs, and better cars, not because something is wrong with the ones we have, but rather because we are so discontent that we think we will be satisfied when we find the right one. Divorce rates today are on the rise not because of infidelity or adultery, but because we can't find happiness in our marriages and therefore we trade our spouse in for a different one only to discover that the new one comes with the same problems. In a recent survey by Time Magazine, Time Magazine found that only 33% of Americans claim to be happy. This means that seven out of 10 people are unhappy, dissatisfied, and discontent. And three out of 10 people are probably lying. It's apparent to me that what we have failed to do in our lives is we have failed to learn the secret to contentment. And in our text today, Paul writes, while under house arrest in Rome, where he's awaiting trial to the church at Philippi, concerned about his well-being and knowing that he is personally financing his Roman imprisonment, the church demonstrates their concern for him by sending him a financial gift by Epaphroditus. And in response, Paul writes them a short thank you note to express his heartfelt thanks. But at the same time, he does not want to give the impression that the Lord was not sufficient for his every need. In other words, he wanted them to know that he was not down to his last dime. And even though he had been in a very difficult situation, he does not want his donors to think that he had been discontented before the gift arrived. But he does want them to know, however, that their generosity toward him is truly appreciated. So he combines his thanks with this valuable lesson on the secret of contentment. 
And the lesson that Paul wants to get over in our text on today is the same lesson that he has been teaching throughout this entire book. Paul, from the very outset of this book, has been teaching this fact that you can have joy in every area of your life. In fact, the book of Philippians is often called the epistle of joy. It's called the epistle of joy because joy seems to be the reoccurring theme throughout the book. In chapter 1, Paul teaches us that there is joy in suffering. In chapter 2, we saw that there is joy in humble service. In chapter 3, Paul argues that there is joy in being and growing in Christ. And when you come to this final stretch here in chapter 4, Paul is teaching us that even you can even have joy in contentment. In fact, our text today is tailored to teach us that you can have joy in any and every circumstance in your life when you are content with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I think I'll say it one more time. Our text today is tailored to teach you and I that we can have joy in any and every area of our lives when we are content in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are three lessons that Paul teaches us today about the secret of contentment. First of all, Paul shares with us that true contentment is learned. True contentment is learned. Look what he says in verse 11. Verse 11 says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have, here it is, learned in whatever state I am to be content. Yeah. Two times in this passage, Paul uses the phrase, I have learned. Here, in verse 11, he says, I have learned to be content. Here is what Paul is teaching us. Paul is teaching us that contentment is not the result of a spiritual experience. No, true contentment is a learned experience. Have I got a witness here? But Paul says that I have learned to be content. And, and I don't want you to get fooled by this past tense usage of the word learned because the word learned in the original language is in the aorist active voice which means that contentment is not something that Paul learned overnight nor is it something that he has perfected. He didn't learn this by sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. He, he didn't learn this in seminary. No, Paul is saying that over time, through many years, and through many different experiences, I have learned to be content. Have I got a witness here? And if you are going to learn contentment, there are only two places that you can learn contentment. You can either learn contentment in the school of prosperity or you can learn contentment in the school of hard knocks. 
And when you look at the life of Paul, you will discover that rarely did Paul ever find himself in the school of prosperity, but most of his life he found himself in the school of hard knocks. And sometimes God has to send us through the school of hard knocks so that we can learn how to become content. The point is simply this, God often uses our tragedies and our trials. He often uses our highs and our lows. He often uses our victories and our defeats to educate us on how to be content. But the question is, what does it mean to be content? That word content comes from a Greek word that means to be self-sufficient or independent. The Stoics had a definition for this word. They elevated this word to mean the ability to be free from all want or need as the chief of all virtues. But the Stoic philosophy was marked by detachment from one's emotions and indifferences to the vicissitudes of this life. This clearly is not what Paul means when he uses the word here in our text because in Philippians 4 back up a verse to verse number 10 he shows us that he rejoiced in the Lord greatly when he received the gift not because of the money that he received but because it showed the Philippians his heartfelt love and concern for him so Paul was not detached from people nor from his feelings because he loved people and he loved them dearly. So that's not what this word really means. Neither does this word contentment mean complacency. Have I got a witness here? Because as Christians we can work to do better in our lives when we have opportunity. And we should really never become complacent. But Paul here is not talking about complacency. What he means when he uses this word content, this word content is the belief, here it is, that I have everything I need at this present moment. This word content means, it it is the confidence that if I need anything else, God is going to give it to me. Yes, you, you didn't let me try it another way. This, this, this word content means it, it gives me the certainty that when I need anything, God is there to supply my need. Yeah, let me try it one more way. This word content is the belief that Christ will supply all and Christ is enough. Have I got a witness here? Paul says, I have learned through experience, I have learned over time to be content in whatever state that I'm in. Not only is true contentment learned, but secondly, true contentment is not dependent upon our circumstances. True contentment is not dependent on our circumstances. Verse 12 says, I know. Stop right there. Paul says, I know. See, Paul knows in verse 12 because 
Paul has learned in verse 11. Yeah. I knew y'all wasn't going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Paul has learned in verse 11. And now that he has learned, he knows how to get along joyfully. He knows how to get along triumphantly. He knows how to get along success successfully, not just surviving, but thriving. Yeah. He says, look at what he says. He says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, he says it again, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Because I've learned the secret of contentment, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. That, that word abound means more than enough. That word abased means to run low. It's the picture of your fuel tank gauge. On one end of the fuel tank gauge, there's an F for full. And on the other end, there's the letter E for empty. Paul is saying here that no matter which way the arrow points, I've learned to be satisfied. Yeah, yeah. I can be satisfied whether I am full and I could be satisfied even if I am empty. Yeah. And most people are content only when they are full. Most people are only content when they are prospering because they equate prosperity with contentment. But just because someone is prospering does not mean that they are content. And one of the ways you can know is if you're always needing more, if you're always looking for better. And let me just say, there's nothing is wrong with better. But when it becomes a problem is when no matter when you get better, it's not good enough for you. So you're still looking for better, even though what you have, you said was better in the first place. Yes, sir. I haven't got a witness here. Okay, you were in an apartment, so you moved out of an apartment to a house because you said the house is better. But now the house don't have enough rooms, so now you want a mansion. Now you need an eight-car garage when you only got one. You see what I'm saying? Better is not good enough. You're seeking better even though you have better. That's when it becomes a problem. Yes, but can I just tell you something? If you are not content without it, you won't be content with it. All right, y'all. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite movies growing up as a child was a movie by the name of Cool Runnings. Hmm. That movie Cool Runnings was about an, a, a, a you know, Jamaican bobsled team. Mm -hmm. Enough people say you know you don't believe. Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> and this bobsled team from Jamaica would go on to the Olympics. They were coached by uh, a man who played the role by the name of John Candy. And when you uh, look at the movie, you'll discover that later on in the movie, it comes out that their coach did some underhanded stuff just to win. 
And you know, okay, he cheated <laughs> just to win. And so somebody finally asked him to asked him to explain what he what he meant. And he said these words: "I thought I had to win," said the coach, "but I learned something. If you are not happy without a gold medal, you won't be happy with." A gold medal either. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here in our text. If you are not content without the things that you are looking for, you will not be content when you get them because contentment comes in spite of what my circumstances say. Yes, See, the problem with us is we live our lives trying to be happy. All we want is to be happy. We say it all the time, I just want to be happy. When it comes to getting married, I just want to find somebody that's going to make me happy. Pharrell Williams even came out with a song that says, because I'm happy. But the problem with happiness is happiness is contingent upon your circumstances. Yeah. If my circumstances are favorable, then I'm happy. But if my circumstances are not favorable, then I'm not happy. So instead of pursuing happiness, what we ought to be pursuing is joyful contentment. Because joyful contentment says, even if I gotta eat ham and bread and mayonnaise, even though I want a steak, I'm gonna be satisfied with the ham and bread and mayonnaise. Joyful contentment says, even though I may have a little putt-putt going down the street, I'm going to be happy with the putt-putt because at least I'm right. Yeah. I might be living in a shotgun house, but that's okay. At least I've got somewhere to lay my head at night. Hey. Have I got a witness here? And it's all about your perspective. It's all about how you look at things. I can be happy whether I'm up or whether I'm down. That's what Paul is saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Come on now. oh, I didn't want to get this happy, but I, I, I get happy thinking about how happy I am, yes, <laughs> even when I don't have all the stuff I want. Yes, sir. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> true contentment is learned. Not only is true contentment learned, but true contentment is not dependent upon your circumstances. But thirdly and finally, and I'm out of here, true contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 13. Yes, sir. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, yeah. Philippians 4.13 is one of the most loved and most quoted verses in the entire Bible. Unfortunately, it is also one of the most misapplied and misinterpreted verses in the Bible as well. Because when most people quote yes, this verse, they do so apart from the context and, import, and apart from the full scope of scripture. Yes, sir. Now let, let, me, let me give you an example. The person who wants a new car but can't afford the payments hmm. goes and buys something they really can't afford saying, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Or, or the student who never studied and tries to cover up their negligence by going into the test saying, I can do all things uh -huh. through him who gives me strength. Mm. 
and even the prosperity preachers will quote this verse and tell you that you can do or get anything you want because you can do everything through him who gives you strength. Paul here is not making a categorical comprehensive statement here about the unlimited potential and abilities of the Christian. Paul is not saying that because of Christ there is simply nothing that I cannot do. That's not what Paul is saying. Because the truth is, beloved, there are a whole lot of things that I cannot do even as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. I see how you're looking at me. Okay, let me help you stay awake. Uh, I cannot sing like Marvel. I can't pray like Jake. I can't preach like Mark Lewis. I can't teach like Francis Davis. I can't bowl like a perfect game like David Day. I can't play dominoes like Percy Williams. <laughs> I can't play the keyboard like Michael Guy. It's a whole lot of things that I cannot do and quoting Philippians 4 and 13 is not going to somehow make me be able to do it. Yeah. I can quote this verse all day long and at the end of the day I still can't sing. At the end of the day I still can't hoop. At the end of the day I still can't bowl. At the end of the day I still don't know the first thing about dominoes. Have I got a witness here? This verse is not affirming that I have no limitations because of Christ. No, that's not what Paul means when he says, I can do all things through him, He which strengthens me. The all things Paul refers to here points back to the previous verses and the claims that he made in verses 11 and 12. Yeah. Yeah. To be content in whatever the circumstance. Yeah. Paul says, in all the situations of my life, yeah. in poverty and in prosperity, yeah. when I'm well fed and when I'm hungry, yeah. when, 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 when I have what I need and even when I don't have, Paul says, I can be content. Mm -hmm. yes. Lord have mercy. In other words, I can be content whether I'm up or whether I'm down. Yeah. I can be content whether I'm in or out. I could be content through tragedy or in triumph. I could be content because I've been through it all. And because I've been through it all, my testimony is I have survived it all. And Paul says I have the power to endure all extreme circumstances, all these ups, all these downs, without anxiety, with the peace of God, guarding my heart and my mind through Christ Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. Paul, 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 how is it, Paul, that you're able to be content in all situations? Paul says, I can be content in all things because I have learned the secret to contentment. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to get. The question is, what is the secret of contentment. Paul says, the secret to contentment is I've learned how not to rely on self-sufficiency, but rather on Christ's sufficiency. Yeah. See, true contentment is not rooted in our reliance on self, 
but rather true contentment is rooted in our relationship with Christ. Yeah. It flows from our union and communion with the Savior. It's right here in verse 13. I can do all things, here it is, through him who strengthens me. That phrase, through him, refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says the secret to contentment is being in relationship with Christ. The one who is the object of Paul's faith is the one who enables Paul to be content in every situation. See, many of us are discontent because we are preoccupied with our circumstances. And Paul learned the secret to contentment because he learned how to give attention to his Savior and not his circumstances. See, true contentment comes when you take your eye off your circumstances and place your eye on your Christ. True contentment comes when you are not preoccupied with your situation, but rather you are preoccupied with your Savior. Mm -hmm. True contentment comes when you focus on Jesus and not on anything else. Because when you focus on Jesus, you can be content because it is Him who gives you strength in all situations. I can do all things through him, meaning Christ, who gives me strength or who strengthens me. That word strengthen means to be empowered. It means to be enabled. It means to be made strong, to increase in strength. Paul says, no matter the situation, I can be content because Christ strengthens me with his strength. Lord have mercy. He empowers me with his strength. He enables me with his strength. He increases my strength with his strength. And that's good news to know that whether I'm up or whether I'm down. Good news to know that whether I'm in or whether I'm out. It's good news to know that whether I'm full or whether I'm hungry. Whether I have plenty or whether I suffer lack. I can still have joy because I am content in all things. Because Christ is the one who gives me strength. Not only does Christ give me strength, but I heard Reverend Dr. Clayton Lee say on one occasion, he doesn't just give me strength, but he pours strength into me. So even when I get weak sometimes, I ain't got to worry about nothing because God is pouring the strength into me. Have I got a witness? Anybody here can testify that you've been weak before, but his strength made you strong. You didn't know right from wrong, but his strength made you strong. You've been up and you've been down, but his strength made you strong. Psalm 18:32 says, it is God who arms me with strength. Have I got a witness? says the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear the Lord is the strength of my life 
of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 29 says, the Lord, he gives strength to his people. And the Lord blesses his people with peace. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor gets weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Thank you for listening to the Renewing Your Mind podcast. We pray that today's message was an encouragement unto you. Until next time, be encouraged.